right, so hi, for those of you I don't know or haven't met yet, I'm Sally, and uh, yeah, I'm going to be sharing with you what God has been teaching me lately, um, and as both Mark and Zach said, we're going to be looking at Psalm 121. Uh, at the, I only found out that I was, well, found out, volunteered to be speaking tonight on Tuesday, and uh, it's because our leader over here, Mark, he was preaching Sunday morning and then Sunday night last week. He was going to do the same today. And I thought, like, as a good friend, I thought, oh, do you want me to take Sunday night? And he goes, oh, yeah, that'd be great, actually. This is on Monday. And then I was like, okay, cool. Wow, what have I done? Uh, usually usually if I come to speak at, at a night service or to big people, it takes me months. Um, when I preach to kids, I, you know, do that more often. So I don't, um, you know, need months of practice. But usually when I come um, and share at night church, it takes me months of getting the nerves away and, you know, practicing it in front of people. And so having like less than a week was sort of scaring me. And here I was thinking that, you know, it was my idea to put my hand up and share with you um, something. I thought, what am I going to speak on God? And so I went to prayer and I felt God say to me, share with them what I have taught you over the last few weeks, how good I am. And uh, so, you know, I think that it was my idea on Monday to speak tonight, but God saw this day coming a long time beforehand. And he planned that I would volunteer silly me, to speak up here in front of all of you. And he planned that he would show me these things over the last few weeks so that I could be blessed to share the goodness of God with you tonight. So I'm so glad that God has shown me those things because they have been wonderful for my heart. And uh, over the last few weeks, as it has been for you, it's been the start of a new season. It's been the start of 2019. And so um, it's the beginning of the year, beginning of a journey for us. And the picture that God has been giving me for the beginning of this journey and the beginning of this year has been um, of a sailor setting out to sail across seas. So if you would, imagine with me tonight that you are also a sailor. And I'm talking like... um like Pirates of the Caribbean style, like there's no engines yet. It's all just sail ships and, um, you know, the big wooden ship and the mast and the where sailors and there's riggings and other things that I don't know what they are. But just pretend you're a sailor with me tonight because that's the image God's been giving me. And we're all about to board this journey. And the journey we're about to go on is 2019, this big ship. And, you know, to follow the analogy, sailing, uh, sailing journeys. Oh, I think I have a picture. Yes, that's us. We're getting on that. Great. All right. So, Sailing journeys about 500 years ago or so, I've done minimal research, but I know that they used to be treacherous journeys. And some of the reasons were because uh, they could take weeks or months or even years. Sometimes sailors would kiss their families goodbye and say, goodbye, I'll see you in two years, I'm going to work now. That was a really long time and it's because you get on the sail ship and then you would sail out to sea and then you were reliant on the wind to take you where you needed to go. So if there was no wind... You just kind of sat there and hoped that the wind would come back. And there are stories of sail ships where people have died from hunger and, and lack of water on the boat because the wind just hasn't moved them and they haven't made it to port. It was a treacherous journey for that reason. And also, notoriously, storms and shipwrecks, right? There was stories of uh, shipwrecks, of storms that are so bad that there are no survivors and that, you know, these big masts snap in half because of the size of these enormous waves that are bigger than buildings that would just flood the boats. And so there were storms, you're relying on the wind, the world at this point isn't even fully mapped out yet. So you really got to know where you're going. And then you might bump into an island somewhere that you didn't know was there yet. Um, there was pirates and thieves that could attack you. And also, if you were a sailor, you had to be really good at navigation, um, even by the instruments you had, like a compass and a map and another kind of compass and then the stars. 
So you had to know how to read the stars and rely on them to take you where you were going, assuming you could see the stars and it was a clear night. So it's a treacherous big journey, and we can look at it our year, at least I am, at the same, in the same way. It can be overwhelming to board the ship, can't it? To uh, become afraid or anxious at what is to come on this journey that we're about to set out on. I know I have been. You know, how long will each season take? Where am I going to get stuck? And what storms are going to come and, and throw me and just, you know, throw me off course? How will I survive them? What about the darkness? What if I can't see the stars? How will I navigate myself? And, you know, my calendar, my diary is pretty much the best map I have on how I'm going to spend every minute or hour of my day. But it, it doesn't account for every single thing that's going to come my way this year. I don't really know what's coming. Will I be attacked? Will I get lost? You know, the last few weeks I've spent a lot of time by the ocean and it does a lot of good for my soul as I'm sure it does for you like it does for most people to sit in front of the ocean and be relaxed and calm. It does a lot of good for my soul because God teaches me about himself when I look at the ocean. It reminds me of his love and it helps me calm. You know, God's love is vast and God's creation is designed to help us think about him. You know, that's why it, it reflects him so that we can know him better. It, it's vast and it just it never ends. I love nothing more than sitting in front of a view where all I can see is ocean, you know, from like the corner of your eye to the corner of your eye. And it just looks like it goes on forever because that is God's love. And it is so big and the sea is so powerful. And I think if I look at the sea and then I think about my God and I know that he's bigger and more powerful than the sea, that is good and calming for me. It's never ends. It's deep. There are depths that we haven't even searched in the sea yet. And it is beautiful. There is a time of day where I will sit and I tell Tyler every single time we sit there, this is my favorite time of day. He's like, I know, you tell me every day. When I look at the ocean and the sun is setting and the sky lights up pink and the, the sea goes teal and it is beautiful and God is beautiful. And I look at that beauty and I think, wow, God is beautiful. God's love is beautiful. And all these things describe God. So tonight in Psalm 121, if you want to follow along, there is the psalmist, who is likely David, um, is, is reflecting on God's creation as well. He's not looking at the ocean, though. He's looking at a mountain. And so I, I want to read to you from that in a second. And I want to share with you some lessons that God has been teaching me about his love and his steadfastness. Um, that I want to share with you and about this journey of 2019. But before we go and read God's word, I'm going to pray that God speaks to us because I am so hopeful that God will do for your heart what he has done for mine. So I'm going to ask him now that he would do that. Father, you are good, you are great, and you are unchanging in your love. And so I pray tonight that you would use the words that I share to do to these people's hearts what you have done to mine. Just wreck it and then build it back up on your steadfastness. Bring healing and assurance and peace and joy that these people may know the name of Jesus above all names and give you glory for what you've done and what you are going to do this year. I pray that in your name because we can. Amen. So Psalm 121, written by likely David, the psalmist, it says, we're going to read the whole psalm, eight verses long. Verse 1, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. 
The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. What a beautiful psalm of comfort for us. Um, David, likely David, uh, looks at the mountains. And I've got a picture up here of a mountain. Oh, you can go to the next one because, yes, great, excellent. The mountain. This is the Matterhorn in somewhere. It's the most, <laughs> it's the most uh, dangerous cliff face there is, right? So I was like, power mountain. That's the picture. He was looking at the mountains and he was saying, they are so big and so beautiful and so vast and the mountains offer protection. If you go to the next picture, if David looked at the mountains when he was writing this, this is more like what he was looking at. This is called the Desert of Ziph and it is mentioned in the book of Samuel. And when David would have looked at the mountains, he would have seen protection because in ancient times, armies used to chase each other through these gullies in the mountains like this and they used to hide in the caves and in the crevices of the mountains. And so So when David looked at the mountains, as a soldier, he would have seen protection. And though he looks at the mountains, he doesn't say, I look up to the mountains. That is where my help is found. He says, I look at the mountains, but my help doesn't come from there. It comes from the one more powerful than the mountains. He says it comes from God. Because as big and as beautiful as the mountains are, his God is bigger and stronger. And it says, our God doesn't sleep or slumber He's awake, always caring for his children. He's the very maker of the mountains. It says in the Bible, it describes God as the one who rolled out the earth's foundations like he was unrolling a mat. Isn't that cool? Just how big and amazing and powerful our God is. Day and night, he is our protection. And uh, day and night, they are the same to God. He can see in darkness as if it was day to him. He's our refuge, our help, our stronghold. And this is the God that we worship too. It's not just David who's talking about this God. This is the God that we know. And we can know him because of Jesus. Jesus, God himself, came down from heaven so, and lived as a human so that we could see what God is like. And Jesus spent his ministry teaching us what the Father is like, who God is, so that we can know God personally. And he not only showed us the power of God, but the love of God in his death on the cross, where he laid his life down for us, where he took the wrath of God, the punishment for our sin, and he took it upon himself so that we could be called his children, God's children. He cares for us, it says in the New Testament. God cares for us more than he cares for the birds. He says, look at the birds. Do you see them worrying about their life? No, neither should you. That's, I just love you. I care for you. So reading this psalm, looking to the mountains, looking to the sea, understanding who God is and how much he loves us, that should make us brave for the journey, right? That should make us be filled with faith and courage, knowing that the God of heaven, how he breathed life into creation, he hung the stars in heaven like he was putting up Christmas bunting. He is stronger than the ocean, more powerful than the mountains, that he cares and thinks of me. When we teach this to the kids and kids, we say, he knows how many hairs are on your head. You know, and that changes because they fall out. He cares about you every day. Shouldn't we wake up every day for the journey full of faith and courage? Every day of 2019. Who else wakes up every day because of this full of faith and courage? You don't have to put your hands up. But like, who does? Sometimes I do. And good on you if it's most days. That's great. And yeah, it's not so hard to be full of faith and courage on days when it's easy. 
when everything in life is going well, when we are on course, when the sea is quiet and the sun is shining, when everything is good and according to plan, then it's easy to believe that God is in control and that he loves us, right? But in the darkness, when we can't see the stars and we can't find our way, or in the storms, during the attacks, all those things, then it's harder to wake up each day full of faith and courage for the journey. And we're not alone. I want to share with you a story from Matthew 8, 23 to 27. And I've actually um, preached this one before, so it's, you'll already know this one. It, lots of people know this story. Matthew 8, 23 to 27 says, Then he, that's Jesus, got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came upon the lake so that the waves swept up over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? And then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? They, the disciples, literally had Jesus, maker of heaven and earth, in the boat with them, and they were afraid. They lost their courage. They had literally, like in the few chapters before, they have watched Jesus perform miracles. They've heard him preach and teach in their homes. And plus, Jesus is asleep. Like surely if the the maker of heaven and earth and the creator of the seas is asleep in your boat, surely that's the cue to say, don't be worried, guys, we're going to get through this. And also their journey was short. They're going across the lake. Now, it's not like Forest Lake. It's actually a lot bigger than that. And the storms on this lake were notorious for how they came out of nowhere, wreaked absolute havoc, and then disappeared. So it was a big, scary storm. But they had Jesus in their boat. So if Jesus was in their boat, right with them physically, and they were afraid, what hope have I got? Well, I want to share with you tonight, as I said, the two ways that God has helped me navigate this journey with courage and not lose sight of his goodness and his steadfastness and help me remember that God is in control and he is actually not asleep in heaven. He is awake and alert and he cares and he is for me no matter what the journey brings. And also, coincidentally, they all start with S. Uh, That is not just something I planned. That was actually a coincidence, although it does make it very easy to remember. And the first one I want to share with you that God has taught me is to stop and stand still. Life, the journey, 2019, gets busy, hectic, crazy, even. Busy is just a term that we assume everybody is now, right? How are you? Oh, yeah, pretty busy, right? Storms swirl, winds wreak havoc. Think about a good, like, Queensland storm, how it kind of comes out of nowhere, reaps absolute havoc, and then there's trees all over the road, and the power lines are down. Think like that. Sometimes life feels like that, doesn't it? Just doesn't end. You just think, when is this storm going to go? How am I going to navigate myself? But that's what a sailor had to do. In a a big storm, a good sailor had to be able to reorientate the boat to the course despite where the winds and the waves had taken it. And when we get swept up in the frenzy, or when I, I know I have, been swept up in the frenzy and the chaos of life, we tend to make decisions out of fear and on the run. Have you noticed that? On the run, when you're afraid of the chaos and you're afraid of, you know, it all falling apart, we say, oh, yep, I can do that. Or, yeah, no, I can't do that uh, just to get by. You know, on the fly, under stress. Um, They're not thoughtful, 
faithful decisions where we're willing to take extra risks or go the extra mile for someone or be thoughtful about our time. They are just decisions that we have to make because we don't have enough time. So we cut corners. They're survival survival decisions. Yep, I can help you there. No, I can't do that. Uh, That's too scary. Not enough time for that. And it's not a wise way to live out of fear. Besides which, you can't hold it up forever. I know I can't. Eventually, we snap. We can't carry everything, even if we try. Our own problems, other people's problems, work problems, car problems, money problems, they just keep coming and eventually we feel swamped by the waves. Has anybody been dumped by the waves in the surf? Sometimes life feels like that. Which way is up? When am I going to be able to breathe again? So I have learned that God has said to me in those moments to stop and stand still. In Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15, it says, In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. If you need to write that on your arm, I have done that with this verse. Isaiah 30, verse 15. In quietness and trust is your strength. But God says to his people, but you would have none of it. And then further down in the chapter, it says, Blessed are those who wait on him. Quiet rest. Whose reaction to chaos is quiet rest? Or to stand still. Everything's going crazy around you, you stand still. It's not, is it? That's not our initial reaction. Our reaction to stress and chaos is to fight back, batten down the hatches, tread water in a frenzy until we regain control again, and then get buckets and sort of like throw the water out of the sides until, you know, the boat comes afloat. That's the reaction to stress and chaos that storms bring. But this is not what God tells us brings strength for the journey. Charles Spurgeon says, May your character be written up, not written upon the sand, but be an inscription upon the rock. What he means is, your character can't be washed away by the waves. You can't be thrown to and fro. He says, May you be rooted and grounded in love. May your convictions be deep and your love be real and your desires true. May your whole life be so settled and established that all the blasts of hell and the storms of the earth shall never be able to remove you. Stillness and standing firm. And he says that standing firm against the strongest winds or the hardest of hardships and suffering that comes our way is what makes us strong. In fact, the New Testament is full of the fact that it is suffering that produces the most strength. And here's why. Charles Spurgeon continues. He says, it's of no use to hope that we will be well-rooted if no rough winds pass over us. Those old gnarlings on the roots of the oak tree, those strange twistings of the branches tell of the many storms that have swept over it and are indicators of the depth into which the roots have forced their way. I've got another picture. If you just go ahead to the tree, right? So if you Google what wind does to a tree, pictures like this will come up. They are bent over by the wind over long periods of time, especially if they're on a cliff face where the winds just keep coming. These trees stand the test of time because as the wind comes and blows them, they grow their roots deeper and deeper. You are like that tree. The harsh winds that should toss you around in life should force you to stand firm and dig your roots deeper into the truths of your Father, into the Word of God, 
This is where you should go if you want to stand firm and strong against storms in life. Shrink not from the winds, but let them force you deeper into your Father's word that you may become strong. This is your refuge. Sink deep. Force yourself down deep into God's truths. Franklin Roosevelt said it this way. He said, smooth seas never made a skilled sailor. You need the winds and the storms of life to teach you to stop and to stand firm and to dig deep into the truths of love that your father has given you in the Bible. Like David, when he wrote this psalm, he says, I lift my eyes, a moment of stillness to reflect on God. You need to do this when the winds and the waves are wreaking havoc. Stop, be still, and stand firm. And let your roots drive you down deep into the truth of God's words. And for you, it might be mountains. You go and find a mountain, you stare at it, and you're like, yeah, wow. My help comes from someone bigger and stronger than this. It might be the ocean. That's definitely for me. It might be a building for you. It might be a tree. It could be, I don't know, Forest Lake, if that's good. It can be anything. A moment of stillness that reminds you who rescued you, who is in control, who your strength comes from. Let the winds force your roots deep. The second one, I said they all start with S and they do. The second one that God has taught me is to sing or to speak. If you're not a singer, uh, then speak. But sing. I love to sing. And I would encourage you, even if you're not a singer, um, then be encouraged to sing in this season and on this journey. In verses 5 to 7 of this psalm, the psalmist writes that the Lord will keep you from all harm. And that's a big claim from the psalmist. He's saying that God will protect us from all harm. And you know what? If there was no chance of me going on this journey and being harmed, I probably wouldn't have any fear or anxiety about it, right? I wouldn't be apprehensive or anxious because I'd be full of faith and courage because nothing can touch me and nothing can harm me. There's no danger for me. If I could make the journey unharmed, I wouldn't be afraid. But the reality is, because I'm a Christian, I can Because of Jesus taking my deserved punishment of sin and the wrath of God on himself, I have no fear of even death. I have hope, hope eternal, that no matter what, I can make the journey knowing my destination is guaranteed. And if I'm not okay during it, it's not the end yet because I am promised eternal paradise. That is secure. I can make the journey because the destination is guaranteed. You know, in the meantime, I know I tend to forget this. You know, the waves come and the storms come and instead of letting them shape me into Jesus' likeness, I get afraid and I start to panic or I slip up and I forget who I am called to be like. And like the disciples, in those moments when I forget, I call out, Lord, I am drowning. I cannot do this anymore. I can't get by. I am drowning. Do you care? The words out of my mouth are full of fear instead of praise. They are full of me instead of him. Me, I'm drowning. And the reality is, The disciples were never actually in any real danger, and neither am I, not with my hope in Jesus. So 
instead of focusing on the wind and the waves and on me and drowning, I have learned to sing his praises, to sing his goodness, and to remind myself of who God is and what he has done, to remind myself of where I am going even before I get there, to praise him for where I am going even before I get there. Charles Spurgeon says this, and yes, I realize I quote him a lot. He's, I'm reading his daily devotional, so there you go. It's gold. He says, Faith looks back upon the past, for her battles have strengthened her, and her victories have given her courage. She remembers that God has never failed her. No, he did never once fail any of his children. I have learned to change what I am saying to myself. Instead of saying, me, I'm drowning, I sing, Lord, your mercies never fail. I love your voice, Jesus. You are a shepherd who takes me by the hand and leads me by still waters. You are good, God. You are a good father who loves me. And when I sing those things, I sing them loud and I remind myself. Um, Some of my most holy moments is when I'm driving, and I have actually had people follow behind my car and get to the same destination as me and be like, wow, you are just all over the place while you were driving. Not on the road, just like my hands. Um, Because I turn my music up. I have a a playlist on my phone um, called my playlist, and uh, it's all the songs that I, I use for this reason. I choose to sing them when I need to remind myself of who God is and who I am. And uh, I choose songs that I can belt out in the car over the steering wheel to declare themselves to me and to all the other drivers who, you know, also hear my singing. Uh, Because those moments where I sing to myself, and often if I'm feeling anxious, I will go for a drive and do that on purpose. Because when I sing God's goodness to myself, it reorientates my heart. I also do it at breakfast time. I don't know where it is with you that you sit with your and find quiet time with Jesus so he can speak to you. For me, it's at breakfast. I put my earphones in and I sing so loud uh, that hopefully my neighbors will fall to their knees, cut to their heart, uh, but probably not. Uh, but I sing to Jesus at the breakfast table um, who he is and all of the things that he's done for me. Flood your heart with truths about God and his love for you. And sing them loud because your heart will forget. But your life is a story of God's faithfulness and mercy over and over and over again. So sing it to yourself. Sing it to others. Sing it over others. Sing your freedom. Sing God's praises. Sing his triumph over sin and death forever. Sing his goodness before you get there. Sing his praises before you get there. Because your destination is guaranteed and it is so good. One of my favorite stories in the Bible about uh, singing is in 2 Chronicles 20. And if you haven't read 2 Chronicles 20, I encourage you to read it this week because it is just a great story. Uh, Basically, there's King Jehoshaphat. What a great name. And he's king over God's people at this time. And three other nations in the world decide to get their armies together and go down to attack God's people. So three of the biggest armies in the world say, let's go wipe them out. And they're going to go down to this valley. And King Jehoshaphat calls the whole nation of God's people together. And he says, come, come together, everybody, women, men, children, let's get together. And we're going to stand before the Lord. And when they get there, he prays this awesome prayer. And he prays these words. He says, Lord, we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We don't know what to do, 
but our eyes are on you. And then they stood still before the Lord and then they waited. And then King Jehoshaphat grabs the armies and he says, right, let's go. We're going to go to the valley. And in front of the armies, instead of shields or whatever else they used to use, he puts a choir and he gives them instruments. And he says, on the way to this battle, we are going to sing God's praises. King Jehoshaphat was singing God's praises before they got to the valley. And so they start praising God and they sing, give thanks to the Lord, his love endures forever. And they sing it the whole way along. Meanwhile, God over in the valley confuses all the other armies and they turn on each other and they kill all each other so that when this, the army gets to the valley, everybody's already beaten and they have victory over these armies. And they didn't even have to leave, lift a finger. They praised God for the victory that was to come before they even got the victory. Because our God is good and triumphant. We should praise him for what he has done and what he will do because he doesn't change. So we can sing God's praises in the midst of the storm because his goodness does not change. For those of you who love to sing, that's great. You can sing it with me. Because for those of us who love Jesus... It's going to be all right in the end. And if it's not all right yet, it's not the end. That's from a movie. Um, I can't remember the name, but it's a good one, apparently. My auntie says that to me. It's going to be all right in the end. And if it's not all right, it's not the end yet. That's the hope we have in Jesus. So if you're a singer like me, sing. Sing praises. But if you're not, you can speak. You can speak those truths to yourself. You'll hear people say to you also things like, speak to that storm, speak to that mountain and it will move. Like you have some kind of power over these big storms that come in your life or like you have power over these mountains. But listen, on your own, as I would know, you are powerless. And they get this from this verse where Jesus says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, surely you can say to the mountain, move from here to there and it will move. But Jesus wasn't telling the story because he wanted you to think that you had the power to speak to mountains. That's why he uses the mustard seed. It's the smallest seed there is. He was saying the power isn't with you. It's the Father's power. So put your faith in him. Don't speak to the storm. Don't speak to the mountain. Speak to the one who even the winds and the waves obey. And when you're powerless against those winds and waves, speak to the one who listens to you and sing his praises. I'm going to pray in a little minute, and I'm going to ask those of you who would like to to stand with me, and we're going to praise God together. But I want to quote this last Spurgeon quote, which comes from January 1 in his morning and evening readings, and he says it like this. It says, O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise unto the rock of our salvation. We will drive away our griefs. And set up banners of confidence in the name of our God. We are chosen to be the choirs of the skies. So come let us rehearse our everlasting anthem before we sing it in the halls of heaven. We will be glad and rejoice in thee. Let January open with the joy of the Lord. And let December close with gladness in Jesus. We are chosen to be the choirs of the skies, to sing an everlasting anthem in the halls of heaven. What a beautiful calling. 
So I'm going to ask now, uh, if you would like to, you can stand with me. We're going to have stand and find a moment of stillness and quietness before God. And then if you would like, if this is for you, you can raise your hands and praise God in prayer with me. Or you can leave them by your side. That's That's cool too. It's about the heart praising. If you're a dance praiser, you can have a little dance. But we're going to have a moment of standing in stillness before God and then praise him for this journey that we are about to take on in 2019 because our God is good and steadfast and he is where our help comes from. So if you want, you can stand with me. You don't have to feel weird if you're still sitting. You can close your eyes. Just Think of a mountain or an ocean, whatever brings stillness to your heart. Father, as we stand here, we acknowledge that it is not for us to know everything. We don't know what the journey ahead holds. We know that you hold the journey ahead of us. So, Father, tonight I pray for all those standing as we choose to stand firm on your promises, you, our rock of salvation, that, God, you would drive us down deep like a tree's roots and help us find our strength and our trust and our repentance in you. God, I'm sorry when I've let myself think that I can make it on my own or where I've looked for strength in other places, I pray that you would reorientate my heart to you each time, that I might find my strength there. And God, as we lift our hands to praise you in this last song and in this prayer, we praise you for what you're going to do this year. We've already heard stories of your goodness, even this year. And so we praise you for the people who are going to come to know you as Lord and Savior forever this year. We praise you for the saints you're going to call home, Lord, their legacy for your glory. We praise you for the healings we're going to see. We praise you for the breakthrough in people's illnesses or or mental illnesses or heartbreaks, Lord, that people are going to see you and your power over it for the first time in a new way this year. We praise you for the heartbreak that will bring healing, Lord for all of the sufferings that you bring or that we experience in this life, Lord, we praise you for what you do through it because you draw our hearts to you and you make us strong and you make us like you. And we praise you, God, that in every moment you walk hand in hand with us and you never leave us or forsake us. We praise you for this journey and that you're with us all the time. You are where our help comes from and we give you this year. Amen.